Welcome to another installment of Hacker Public Radio. My name is Dave, and I'll be your host for today. And uh, in today's installment of Hacker Public Radio, I want to talk to you about a well, a couple or three different things. Uh, the first one being how to plug a flat tire. The second one being a uh, rather hastily thrown together, high-level, opinionated uh, showcase of Linux file managers. Uh, another one being a brief mention of a really cool live Linux CD. And uh, the, the last thing I want to talk about is a, a new, I, I, I don't want to use the word segment, but I do hope that future Hacker Public Radios uh, correspondents may chime in on this, but I, w- I would like to introduce the what is in my bag segment of Hacker Public Radio. More on that later. Uh, I am not in my normal audio recording environment right now. I am not using my normal audio recording setup right now. Uh, I am in my wife's Honda Accord and I am not using headphones. And the reason reason for that is uh, last night about with about 40 minutes of daylight left I noticed that my driver's side tire on my Honda Civic front tire was about half flat and as flat tires often want to do it was only flat on one side that was sort of a joke anyway uh I only had like 40 minutes of daylight left, and it was a Sunday night, and I needed the car for work today. So uh, what I did was I took the tire off and uh, took it in the backyard and got a hose pipe, as we call it here in South Carolina. Uh, To a lot of people, that is a water hose or a garden hose. And I turned on the the faucet or the spigot uh, and used the hose pipe to wet the tire uh, under low pressure and allowing the water to sheet over the surface of the tire as I inspected the tire for holes. I was looking for a nail or a screw or or anything like that sticking out of the tire and I was also looking for air bubbles. Now I think technically the correct way to do this is to submerge the tire uh, in soapy water or to use soapy water uh, in place of how I was doing it with this hose pipe with regular water coming out. Uh, it can be done the way I did it, uh, and I tried this for probably 20 minutes, looking for air bubbles and uh, foreign objects sticking out of the tire, and I found none, uh, which was a dilemma because it was getting dark and I found no new hole in the tire. This this tire had been previously plugged uh, by myself, and that's probably where the tire was losing air. I had my tires rotated the day before, and I guess taking the tire off and the spinning motion may have loosened the plug. Now, a plug is a temporary way of repairing a flat tire, and I'm guilty of plugging tires and forgetting that I plugged them and using them as a near permanent, or in some cases, permanent solution to the flat tire. I have done this many times. In fact, I cannot remember the last time I had a tire properly patched, which is something that's done from the inside of the tire. Uh, but uh, in 
on with the topic, uh, I wasn't able to patch, excuse me, plug the tire because I could find no hole and I was running out of daylight. So what I did is just put the tire back on and fill it back up with air. And I checked it this morning, uh, hoping there was enough air pressure for me to get to work, uh, but there wasn't. So I let the car park and I drove my wife's car to work as she had access to a state vehicle today. She works for the state. And uh, I left the car for my retired father to fix for me. Uh, I did make an effort, and I have plugged tires before, so I don't feel really guilty about asking my dad to fix it for me. Uh, that beats me being late for work. Anyway, so uh, if I could have found the hole, uh, what I would have done, and probably the hole, as I've already said, was probably where it had been previously plugged before, but let's, let's assume for the sake of this installment of Hacker Putt Radio, that there was a nail in the tire. Step one is to remove the nail with like a pair of needle nose pliers or something. Uh, step two, which I guess the very first part of step two should have taken place before you had a flat tire, which is to have purchased a tire plug kit. These can be purchased at any Walmart for probably six or seven dollars, and they uh, consist of a rasp and an insertion tool and probably four or five plugs. Now plugs look like pipe cleaners uh, except they're, they're, they, uh, they don't come in colors. They come in one color black and they're very sticky and they are fatter than pipe cleaners. But they're probably four inches long and they're really tacky. I mean, got, they've got an adhesive built into them. I think some plugs come with cement that you can coat the plug with, but the ones I always buy already have uh, the adhesive on them. But step one is, like I said, to remove the foreign object. Step two is to use the rasp, which looks like a punch. It's metal, it's got a pointed end, and it's got a handle, usually a T-handle. And it's, it's a shaft or a cylinder, and it's made out of metal. And the surface of the shaft is... Uh, bumpy, or it's got a grit to it, like a really, really, really coarse uh, sandpaper. I guess a better uh, analogy would be is it's like a file, the surface of a metal file. Anyway, what you do with this is uh, maybe counterintuitive, but you stick it in the hole that was created when the nail went in your tire. So you, you've removed the nail, you stick the rasp in that hole, and uh, rather rapidly, in and out, uh, you insert and pull out the rasp several times and what this does is the, the file like surface cleans the hole and roughens up it roughens up the surface or cleans it and uh, allows for easier insertion of the plug. Once you've done that uh, use the insertion tool which is like a giant needle with a, a, a hole in it you know that's big enough to, to insert one of these plugs in. And these plugs are like I said about four inches long and two or three times a diameter of a pipe cleaner. So you just thread that in the hole and uh, fold the ends up towards the handle. So you stick it in halfway and you fold the ends up and then you insert that into the, the, the newly cleaned out hole. And you stick it in until there's about a half an inch of plug left sticking out of the tire uh, and then you pull it out rapidly. So when you do that, the plug stays in the hole. Well, I don't know about the half inch thing. There should be about a half an inch of plug protruding from the tire when you're done. So 
you, you thread the hole of the insertion tool with the plug, you ram it down in the hole, and you, you pull it out. You ram it down almost until you know you can see no more plug, and then you pull it out real quick, and the plug stays in there, and you've got about a half inch of plug sticking out, and you can trim that with a pair of scissors. Uh, after you do this, you should pump the tire back up, fill the tire back up with air, and test it again with soapy water to see if there's any air bubbles. And if that's the case, if, if there are none, then you are successful, and you can drive on the tire. And as I said earlier, it is a temporary solution, but it's one that I have used permanently uh, with some success. Anyway, that's how you plug a tire. I mentioned that only because uh, it it was on my mind, and I figured you know, that maybe people don't know how to plug tires. Anyway, on with the next topic, which is Linux related. And I want to talk briefly about file managers, and in particular, the file managers I use and why I choose to use them. The very first file manager I can ever remember using, I'm talking about graphical file managers now, uh, under a Linux system was the X file manager, or XFM. Uh, this is no longer being developed, but it is still installable. You can find it uh, someplace on the internet, I'm sure. And it's a very simple graphical file manager reminiscent of the file manager that came with Windows 3.1. Uh, there is a file manager as well as an application manager, and it's just a box with some icons in it. You double-click the file folder, and it opens up in a new window. Simple enough. That's the first one I ever remember using. Uh, of course, there's you know, the Linux command line, which is a file manager, but it's not graphical. Uh, in its truest sense, the, the command line isn't. And as a general rule, I tend to use the command line for file management purposes for quick and dirty jobs or for jobs I want to be automated uh, in a cron job or a bash script. For everything else, this normal desktop use, I tend to use a graphical file manager. And the first graphical file manager I actually fell in love with was one called TKDesk, which is still being developed. It uses uh, the TK stands for Tickle. I think it's developed under the TCL language. But it's TKDesk. You can find it at tkdesk.sourceforge.net. Uh, it is a pane file manager, and it comes with an application bar. You should check this out if you want to see an example of a really powerful pane tree view type file manager that's, that's been around a long time, and it's still, you know, it's still pretty powerful uh, as far as feature sets go. It was really pretty neat. And the reason I think I fell in love with it is because it allowed you to work in uh, not just two panes, but you can have three or four panes open. You can open up a new window. It had a lot of flexibility. Uh, check that out. I quit using TK Desk, which by the way is very configurable, uh, when I found out about EMLFM. And I love that file manager. It's a uh, two-pane file manager. And uh, you've probably heard me talk about it before, but that was that used the GTK 1.0 or 1.2, whatever it was, toolkit. And that fell out of being actively developed some time ago. And uh, with some amount of celebration, I, well, I, I was very happy when I found out a couple of years after EMLFM stopped being developed that EMLFM 2 was being developed. You can find out more about it at emlfm2.net. Uh, other file managers I've used very briefly are DFM, uh, PC Man FM, Midnight Commander, which is a incursive based file manager. Uh, 
did I mention PC Man FM? I think I did, which is like Nautilus, except it uses tabs. That's a feature that Nautilus is supposed to be getting. And Nautilus, which is one I don't particularly like. Uh, not exactly sure why, but I've just never taken to Nautilus. And there's another one out there called Gen 2 and one called Worker, and they, they all have different uh, strengths. Anyway, uh, the, the one I use every day is EMLFM2, and I, I'm a Fluxbox user. But there's another file manager that I also use every day. Well, I, I left that rocks. In my Fluxbox menu, I have uh, four or five file manager shortcuts in my root menu. They are uh, EMLFM2, uh, PC Man FM, Midnight Commander, and Conqueror. Conqueror is the one I want to talk about just a little bit. And as a Fluxbox user, uh, I still find Conqueror to be a, a thing of beauty and a uh, integral part of my desktop use. I, 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 I use it every day. Uh, now, all of these file managers, I'm pretty sure, yeah, all of them will, will do what I need them to which is uh, one thing I need them to do is, is allow me to manage files on remote systems via SSH. And this, this is possible even with Midnight Commander, uh, even from the command line or even from uh, TKDesk and any of these old file managers uh, using Fuse and uh, I think it's file, file system under user space or I, I forget exactly what Fuse stands for, Fuse and SSHFS. And uh, I'm not going to go into how to set that up, but it's not hard. And I guess the main benefit of Fuse and SSHFS is it, it allows one to set up system-wide a mount point for uh, remotely managing files uh, using SSH encryption. Anyway, uh, the reason I use Conqueror is because it has the FISH protocol. If I'm not mistaken, you don't need Fuse and SSHFS, or maybe you do. There seems to be less overhead as far as setting them up, although I have that set up too, so there's a little bit of gray area there for me as to what's required to use the Conqueror in this method. But Conqueror has the fish KIO slave, so you it's, it, navigating to a, uh, a remote directory via SSH in Conqueror is as easy as typing fish colon slash slash user at host colon directory. And uh, I like it a lot because I can have different tabs open. I can bookmark those remote directories, and it's drag and drop. And it's, it's just drop-dead simple. Uh, it prompts you for a, for a username and password if necessary. So if you have SSH set up already, uh, this is a seamless integration with Conqueror. So it's just really good stuff. Uh, I, I did very little preparation, as is probably evident for this installment of Hacker Pilot Radio, but I did stumble upon something I'd never seen before, which is DIFM, which is an Incursus-based two-pane file manager uh, for the console uh, that uses VI key bindings, and you can find it at vifm.sourceforge.net. I have not tried this yet, but uh, it seems like a worthwhile project. Anyway, that, that like I said, is a, a very ill-prepared high-level rushed uh, Linux file manager talk. Anyway, real quick next, I want to just mention a uh, live CD that I've recently tried. I've talked about this in my podcast just briefly. It's called Slithaz. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. S-L-I-T-A-Z dot org is where you can find out more about it. It is very lightweight. It's smaller than damn small Linux. It's smaller than puppy Linux. It is small. Uh, you can get it in several different ISOs. 
Uh, one is less than 30 megabytes, one is around 80 megabytes, and you can get the stable version or the development version, which they call the cooking version. I'm pretty sure the stable version uses Joe's Windows Manager, I think that's what it stands for, JWM. And the cooking version is the one I'm sort of excited about. It uses OpenBox, but it uses the LX panel, which is part of the lightweight X desktop environment, LXDE. And uh, it was the hands-down best implementation, nicest-looking open-box desktop I'd ever seen before. Uh, it looked, honestly, with the LX panel and the way OpenBox was configured, it looked like I was looking at an XFCE desktop, as if it was faster, noticeably faster. Uh, there are a lot of really innovative, uh, unique features to Slift has that I've not tried out. Uh, one of them allows you to boot Slift has off the web. Uh, check it out at swifthas.org. I think this is a really cool lightweight Linux distribution that really shows the power of the power and flexibility of Linux. Okay, I'm at a stop sign uh, checking traffic. And uh, now that I've safely navigated that intersection, I will continue with the last thing I want to talk about, which is what's in my bag. Now, that's probably not the best name for it. This could be what's in your pocket or what's in your car right now. I mean, right now, driving home from work, I want to tell you about my uh, geek gear that I have with me. Uh, in my computer bag, a messenger bag sitting beside me, I have a work laptop, which is a Dell Inspiron, I think. It's Windows XP. It's the one that the, work, uh, the workplace gave me to do work in. checking traffic, excuse me, and I also have my uh, Lenovo T61 laptop in the same bag uh, running Ubuntu Linux. And in addition to that, I am equipped currently in the car with me, my Nokia N810, and in my left hand, I am holding the Olympus LS10 digital voice recorder that I'm recording this very podcast on. And honestly, completely honestly un, unprepared for this podcast I just thought of this idea last night it's pure coincidence but I also have with me a uh, Power Mac G4 Power PC computer it's sitting in the passenger side floorboard right now uh, this was my IceCast server and I loaned it to my brother for a job he had to do uh, with his company and he got through with it, and he called me up today, and we met for lunch, and he brought it back. So I have that with me as well. I don't normally carry that with me, but I have it with me right now. also have a Canon SD1000 digital camera and a Motorola Razr phone, as well as an iAudio G3 4GB uh, MP3 slash AUG slash video player. And I also happen to have my fourth generation iPod Photo running the very latest version of Fluxbox, excuse me, Rockbox version 3.0. And I have four USB thumb drives, two SD cards, and one 250 gigabyte USB hard drive, and a bunch of USB cables. Uh, that's as far as electronics go. I have some work folders and papers and formulas and stuff as well, but in a couple of. Uh, uh, I guess the, the last two or three issues of Linux Journal. And that's it. That's what I got in my bag. So 
that's going to be it. That's going to wrap up this hastily prepared Hacker Public Radio. I hope there was something interesting there for you. And if not, listen tomorrow to another episode of Hacker Public Radio where I'm sure there will be something more interesting than what I just talked about. Uh, If you didn't find this interesting, why don't you do something about it and record something yourself? Hacker Public Radio is in need of correspondence. Uh, Join in. Don't just be a consumer. Be a contributor. Record something and uh, send it to Hacker Public Radio and uh, be a part of the party. Okay, that's it, and uh, tune in tomorrow for another episode of Hacker Public Radio. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.